0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast with me, Ray Harkins, your ever-present host hanging out with people in independent music, whether it's playing in a band, whether it's putting out records, something involved with this awesome music scene that we hold so dear. And as I get older, I'm like, man... This is this has sustained me. This has been going on. I still care. And I I like that. And I hope you still care. So who do we have this week? We have Eric Imprata. He is the drummer for Night Versus. He also is the drummer for The Fever, which is uh, ex Let Live and Chariot. And they just have a lot of cool stuff going on. And uh, little little did I know, I actually knew him, even though this got scheduled through a publicist and, you know, all the normal procedures that you do to uh, have a guest on a show. And uh, once he came to the door, I was like, wait a minute, I've met you. And then we put two and two together. And it's just great when that happens, because uh, that's this whole world of music. So let's uh, let's talk about some other stuff first. And then we will talk about Eric, because our conversation was awesome, just really in depth and. Fun, fun, frankly. Uh, so, what do I got to tell you about? I have to tell you about Rockabilia, obviously. Rockabilia is the place where you buy all of your band merch. They have over half a million items. You can buy anything you would like from long sleeves to sweaters. Any band, you're like, hey, I want a, I want a turnover sw- sweatshirt. They got it. You want a, a have heart shirt. They got it. You want a Bane hoodie. They got it. Whatever it is that you were looking for, they have it. And it's officially licensed, which means that the bands are getting paid for this stuff. All the crappy bootlegs that you see either on eBay or on Amazon, those are not the real deal. Do not be suckered into buying those. Buy it from the source, either directly from the band or Rockabilia. It's the same difference. So do it. And I am going to give you 15% off by using this code PCJabberJaw. PC Jabberjaw use that code, and you will be getting fifteen percent off your order. It's a great company, and I could not be more happy about them aligning themselves with this show. And uh, yeah, they just do really, really good work. So thank you very much, Rockabilia. PC Jabberjaw, fifteen percent off. Do it up. And then um, I've been getting some feedback recently. Uh, you, you. So if you are listening right now, you have not left a review on iTunes. Please, go do that. Go leave a written review or rank this five stars. As weird as it is, the chart position in iTunes and in Apple Podcast is very meaningful. So uh, do that. And the more interactivity that we have with that, the more people get exposed to the show and blah, blah, blah. So please, if you've not reviewed the show, go dive in and do that. Okay? Please. And what else have we been getting feedback on? I'm going to so many shows this week. I'm going to see... Architects. I'm going to see Jawbreaker. I'm going to see Harm's Way in Vain. I'm, I'm actually just tired even talking about all those shows. But I'm excited because there's a lot of rad music, a lot of fun times. I never thought I would see Jawbreaker play at the Hollywood Palladium. Like That's just blowing my mind. And they sold out like two nights in a row. And I think they're on their way to selling out a third. It's nuts. Long live music, right? Okay. Uh, and I also have to tell you that uh, the Taken EP is going to be coming out in late April. Pay attention. I will mention some stuff on here at some point. I'll probably play you a song. So pay attention. That's my, that's my band. And I'm really proud of this uh, this piece of work that we're putting out. So that is that. And uh, Eric Imprada, he is a very good drummer. <laughs> like, not just a very good drummer. He is a performative drummer. He is uh, a guy that is incredibly engaged with his instrument, with the crowd. Because, you know, some drummers, they just kind of get behind their kit and do their thing. And there's nothing wrong with that but uh, Eric definitely takes it to the next level. And, um, I just, I, I admire that. I admire a person who's like, you know what? I want to carve my own niche. I want to do my own thing. And that's exactly what Eric has done. If you've seen any of his bands, you know what I'm talking about. So he is, uh, an incredibly engaging chat. And that is a chat that I want to bring to you right now. So here's Eric and I will talk to you after the episode is over. like, Oh dude, we played Joe's together. And I was like, I was like, I knew in my head, just the fact that because you existed in Orange County, you were, you know, obviously grew up in Fullerton. I was like, we had to have met, but the, uh, and then the fact that, you know, we also had mutual connections with, uh, friends as far as like, you know, Bo managing him and all that sort of stuff. And like, I was aware of your band just through, you know, working with Will as well. Um, this may be like a, a big question to start off with, but it's like the, uh, I always admire bands that have the idea of being like, all right, we want to be really technical yet like catchy. Cause like that, those are two, those are really hard to do. And it's like, you know, that, that in me, in my mind, like that's kind of the summation of night versus where it's like, you guys want to be, you know, heavy, but then you're not just like, well, yeah, we're not just writing, you know, verse chorus stuff. That's like, I mean, you are, but you're not. No, no, totally. Totally. (laughs) So like the, I mean, I presume the ambition was always like you wanted to be in very sort of technically proficient bands or is that something that just happened because you kept pushing yourself?
0: Uh, It's kind of weird. I think this is going to be almost like a reverse answer, but I think because we came up on punk Uh, and we always looked at stuff that was like too nerdy as lame. mm -hmm. I mean, we were young, so we were just... Oh, of course, right, right. Judgmental punks, but like... (laughs) I think we just never wanted to let go of that factor that was what brought us in in the first place. Right. So inherently the fact that we played together since we were 12 in the same room five days a week we just got better and people would just try and do stuff like push each other practicing five days a week yeah like though because we all lived 10 minutes from each other right and uh we started jamming when we were like 12 in different projects right because i was in a band with riley who's a bass player and then Mm -hmm. a separate band with nick who's a guitar player and as high school bands go members just yeah, switch filtered out. in and out, right. Yeah, so eventually it was us three with other people up till this point. And then right. I'd say once we were like 17 to probably the last year we played like five days a week and like Ooh. took it real... I don't know why we took it so serious now. Like, like we would... Because we could only <laughs> practice at my house till... 10 at night. Uh-huh. So if somebody's schedule was off, we would like go to riff Haas and, and practice at a practice studio. And uh-huh. we wouldn't even have shows coming up. We would just be like, we need to write, like we need to do something. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, I think it was, it was just kind of a natural process. Like, and that's why we pushed so long, even when we'd go in and out of having singers. Cause between the singers we'd had before and Doug, we were uh-huh. instrumental for like a year and a half, two years, just trying out different people. Right. But because we grew up liking the bands that we did, we just we were like let's just keep trying let's just keep working with signals keeping this happening yeah, yeah. happen and then eventually it got to the point where like now that we're at the age we're at we're just trying to do what we will be most effective at and what we we know we can control so right we like instrumental music but I mean we grew up on like like Russian circles and Godspeed You Black Emperor and. So it's exciting that there are new instrumental bands like Animals as Leaders that are really technical and they're kind of opening the doors for a new scene coming up. Right. But we don't listen to that. So right. we're just, we're just happy it exists. So we have shows to play. Right, right. Like yeah. That, that. <laughs> you have
1: like, like-minded-ish bands to play with. And it's not just like, oh, who's this weird instrumental band? Then? Exactly. Right. Right. That's so, uh, I find it so interesting that, you know, you name those two bands. Like, cause I mean, Russian Circles and Godspeed, like, you know, those aren't, Like quote unquote normal bands that people like get into, and like obviously you know before recording, you're talking about ISIS, like, like that's you know that just goes to show me that you were you know always kind of like looking for more when it came to music. Definitely. But I mean, why? Like, were you guys all just kind of ping ponging off each other like that? Like you'd bring you'd bring a record to practice and be like, dude, check this out, and it blows people's minds. Or how did that
0: work? So it's really weird because we grew up in in, in Fullerton, and sure. uh, I mean, we got hit with the whole like coming out of new metal era, Deftones, and, and, yeah. and stuff like that into um, like Thrice. Thrice took over everybody's life. Absolutely. And and so we okay. had this weird challenge where we never knew what we wanted to do. Like we'd try and do Thrice, but we just weren't that type of band. Right, and, right, right. You know what I mean? Like it, it was just a confusing time. And to be honest, it's weird to say this, but I think one of the biggest influences for all of that more... Um, heady kind of music was mm-hmm. Nick, the guitarist's dad, was playing us, like, Godspeed and, like, took me to my first OPEF show when I was like 15 and was really... He's been in tune with, like, all of the good music for the last 40 years. Wow. And so he was super supportive of Nick, mm-hmm. um, but also was like, hey, check this out. And, like, gave, gave me like my first dead can dance CD and like, just wow. really like, like he, he just kind of listened. And even when he didn't necessarily connect with it, mm-hmm. he would still like keep tabs on it and be like, I think you would like this. So I mean, it, that's impressive, dude, like,
1: yeah. especially too, because like, you know, when you're looking at older figure, especially when you're looking at like parents, you know, you're never being like, yo, their music taste is cool. But right. like the fact that he was already like. He 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 broke through that barrier and then was also like, oh here, like taking you to your, to an OPEX show, like that's that's pretty
0: rare, yeah, <laughs> especially it, from a fa- like yeah. a, a friend's father to be like, here, check this out, guys, totally. But at, honestly, like I mean, we all had our own influences and, and of course a, from that kind of stemmed off into our own places where like on our own we don't listen to anything the same, but we know we want to make the same music when we're together. But his dad was definitely like at least for me and Nick, the weird, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the avant garde. Yeah. Because, because, and it's, it's interesting too, because like, you know, when you are of that age, um, you know, you're listening to music one of two ways. Like one of them is really kind of devoid of like, you don't care if a band at that age is in like the scene or anything, you know, you're just like listening to music for music's sake. Whereas like when you're, you know, 18 to 22, like, the scene has to, like, you're like, oh, I can't like this thing that doesn't <laughs> yeah. really fall into that category. Totally. but And then also, like, that your brain was kind of ready for that challenging music. Because a lot of the times, you know, you have to be, frankly, a certain age
0: in order to, like, really soak in. Well, I, I don't know if it was ready. Like, That's I, true. I get no, what you're no, saying. I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> but I remember, like, some of those records... Right. I mean, and this was just like a a big life lesson for me was I would get those records like Godspeed. I I would try and play and I'd be like, fast forward. I'm like, oh, I don't don't know what's happening. There's a 25 minute song, right? Yeah. 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 But then when I started drawing a lot, I would play it. And all of a sudden when my attention was on something else, like I would get hit with it. And then I would start listening to it when I was drawing or like Dead Can Dance, for example, I had uh, Into the Labyrinth for like two years and I'd put on a song or two, and I just right. was like, I don't know, I don't, I don't get it. And then we were on tour with Norm Jean, and we were in a bus, and we were driving through the Alps, and my window of my bunk was like just open to it. Uh-huh. So I'm looking over a cliff, and it came on shuffle, and all of a sudden I was like, oh. Oh, I get
1: it now. Yeah, everything. Dude, I, lo- I, I love those examples because those are like, I, I think so many people have those things in their lives where it's like either it's a record that is supposed to, you know, be influential and they're like, well, I don't get it right now. But then it just takes that like either the context or a moment totally. for it to like wash over you.
0: Yeah. And I actually think, um, sometimes I wish that there were different formats that people could get introduced to music. Cause like, for example, when I was growing up, I just didn't connect with hip hop at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like hating on it by any means, it just didn't speak to me. Right, right. And then I life. would see like the right song and escape video, and that would end up on my playlist for like the next <laughs> year. Totally, totally. And it's like, I feel like there are so many different times when, especially now because algorithms like fit to what you normally listen to, that people are missing out on good music because they're not being given the, the context that like MTV would have provided me with when I was in junior high or something like that. So, mm-hmm. It's hard because I get why it's beneficial to have, like, a, from a marketing standpoint, to have your whole intake tailored to your interests. Of course. But it's kind of hard to expand your interest when it's only playing off of what you previously listened to. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. No, it's a really good point. Especially like you were saying, the, the, the thing that uh, I always look at, it. like you're saying, the word context, where it's just like, if you are able to either draw a lineage of like why this band or artist exists and you're able to see like the through lines of like, Oh yeah, they used to play in this scene or did this thing. And you're able to kind of connect those things. It may make you like it more because you're like, Oh, like this wasn't just born, you know, out of nowhere or whatever. Totally. And then, but then, yeah, when you do, when you are kind of shut off to the idea of like being introduced to these different styles of music because it's not being presented to you on your weekly playlist or whatever, that does make it difficult because, and plus all you're doing is looking at that playlist and just looking at the band, like being like, Oh, that's a cool song. Like, you know, it it takes, you know, three more steps for you to be able to like place it in context
0: of where this exists in music. Like who, like, where does this go? And then it's harder. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I get like, okay, I'll never forget this. I, so I worked while I was, was trying to figure out how to make money sure. um, playing music. Of which course. still It's still a, it's uh, still a still thing. It's a endless <laughs> journey. But, but while I was figuring that, I was working at the YMCA for seven years. And I was uh, doing an after-school program with uh, K-6 through graders. And I remember asking my sixth graders, and mind you, like my sixth grade, like, way to kill time was to just take my binder and write as many band names as possible. Sure. Like the, yeah. everything. You know what I mean? Like, even if I didn't know any songs, it right. like, doesn't matter. I know the Misfits I still know logo. The like, and I would write it on there. <laughs> and I remember asking my sixth graders and this was 2000, like 13, maybe. Okay. I said, uh, can you guys name 10 rock bands and they could name two, like a collective group of, of 11 to 12 year olds could name, the Beatles and Green Day. Right. And that was it. And I was like, You're my like, mind was blown. Totally. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, and they all had older brothers and sisters and their older brothers and sisters and never played them anything. And I thought it was so weird. And that yet they knew like, like that, that movie, I would hear about this all the time from the kids. They'd watch that uh, Pitch Perfect movie. Of course. Right. And they would know songs from the eighties. I can't remember if it was like a Tears for Fear song or something like that, but uh-huh, sure. they knew the music and they liked it. So I knew that like... In the right context, they were still connecting with it, but just with the environment that was around them, whether it be their parents or their their older brothers and sisters or whatever, right? They just literally could name only two rock bands. I thought that was the weirdest thing. Yeah, there. yeah,
1: that is very wild. Um, and speaking of brothers and sisters, like how I know your parents were extremely supportive over you know your music vision and right. you know you playing drums and everything like that, because um, they played music themselves. Yeah. Um, do you have any brothers and sisters, or you- uh, I have a little
0: sister. Okay, and uh, she. It was cool because, like, I feel like she has this window of, like, 2006 where I somehow could influence her to, like, all the only rock bands that she still liked. I mean, granted, She do, she does, like, uh, classic rock because that's what our parents raised us on. Sure. But in 2006, I gave her Relationship of Command and uh, Saturday Night Risk. Oh, pretty much all of whatever Deftones it had, had out up to that point. <laughs> sure. And, and everything from Incubus and those are still the only rock shows she goes to. Like I swear, it's amazing. After that year, she was like, "Nah, she's I'm like, not I'm into good." It. Well, I mean, it, it does. It brings up a point
1: where it's like, I mean, I think this was like a year or so ago where I, you know, I read. I think the age in which people stop, like, le- legitimately stop listening to new music and stop seeking it out is like, thir- I think it's 32 or 33 years old. And this is a, okay. you know, a study done by Spotify or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, to your point, like people reach a certain age in which they're like when music isn't like isn't the center of their life like it is for you and i right they're just like like i'm good i've got my <laughs> yeah. i've got my 40 things i need to listen to and, totally. but i just like it that you could know, pinpoint it to
0: 2006 no. where she's like i'm done <laughs> she was so well what's funny is like i would show her things that i know uh-huh you could 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 open for those shows and it would be awesome and she's like i don't know i don't believe them Right. I just don't believe this guy, wow. and I'm like,
1: that's a that's a pretty like that's a cool observation. I mean, from herself, where she's just like, oh yeah, I don't it, like it doesn't strike me as much, right? Not just like I don't like the music. It's just like, oh, I don't believe it.
0: Yeah, like she's not like anti rocker. I mean, she'll no, still no, go no, no, to no. every every Incubus show. She actually got to see, uh, I mean, this is more to the classic rock side, but she sure. got to see Tom Petty like two weeks before he passed Oh, at the bowl. Did yeah. You, oh, that's amazing. Like she, she, she's dope. She's got good taste, but yeah. it was just funny. Cause literally anything else after that year, she yeah, she's like no interest. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah.
1: Um, and so you're, uh, you've, I mean, from what I know about you, you've always, uh, kind of struck me as like an outgoing person, you know, like you, um, as far as being friendly and like, you know, the, uh, but the common conception of drummers is usually like, Oh, they're the weirdos behind the key. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the, yeah. that's a stereotype of like, either they are just, you know, they're on the beat of their own path or right, right, right. they just don't know how to interact with other people or whatever. <laughs> like, but you've never struck me as that. And like, you know, the, uh, I guess the performative nature of the way that you play drums, like, you know, kind of goes into the outgoing experience. Like has that always kind of been who you were or did you have to
0: kind of Grow into that. Uh, so I think what happened was I just drums were like a, a coincidence. It was a coincidence that I had drums and that I decided to commit to them because I, I I've um pretty hard time sticking to one thing. Like just my attention goes all over. Like I've I played like twenty sports growing up and <laughs> skated and drew and everything else. And um what happened was I had a drum set from very young age, but I couldn't focus. So I would just run make a bunch of noise and then take off and then like break that set. And my parents, I would ask for another one just because it felt like it was supposed to be there. Sure. And then even I would lose my sticks. I'd play with like castle towers, like Lego oh, castle towers, right, 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 break that drum set. And, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in a school that, um, it, it's Whitman, uh, elementary school in Cerritos and it's predominantly Asian. And mm-hmm. so my whole life I'm going to talent shows where these kids, are just phenomenal. Just killing it, right. So I didn't even see, it was like watching another language. Like I just assumed I would never get there. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I was so behind. I'm not saying this to be cheesy, this is honest, that every year that they would announce like so-and-so is playing a Beethoven piece, I was always like, this, is, this was not in the movie. Like right. this was not, I don't know this song. And it really, I just was so disconnected with sure. any traditional training. And then um, the minute I got into junior high, it was like seventh grade to skateboarding, eighth grade everybody got a guitar okay and the first time i played a song like we wrote a song it was just an intro Mm -hmm. i was like now i have a reason that's what's it exactly so i think the the whole reason i gave this backstory is that i've never felt like i had a deep connection with just drums they just happen to be what what made sense because i had them and because i just i'm kind of like a like rambunctious person and and i Mm -hmm. never had to worry about hitting the right chord like you just you hit the drum and it sounds the way it's supposed to of course and if you're frustrated you can go crazy and they're not going to break as easy so i think that the only reason that that i don't fit that stereotype is that i just never obsessed over drumming as much as i did playing music and i think the the whole performance aspect i can root directly to seeing uh at the drive-in's Big Day Out concert. Oh, sure. When uh, they went to go play Ark Arsenal and like I just saw Omar flailing uh-huh. and I was like, that's what I want to do. Right. Like almost to the point where I didn't play. I was like, I need a guitar because I can't do this. And then I started to see the benefit in the fact that I just didn't see any drummers playing that way. Of course. And then tried really hard for the last whatever, 12 years to, <laughs> to connect the <laughs> right, two, right. two things. So I would say that's probably the difference.
1: No, that's I, I, I like how you lay it out like that because it does. Um. I mean, an obsession over an instrument, um, can obviously happen to anybody of any personality, but when a person goes like so far into their instrument and, you know, becomes such a gearhead that they, you know, they, they lose sight of the, uh, you know, not, not only the social aspect, but like the creative aspect where it's just like, right. they're so focused on, you know, the gear, the technicality of it that it's like, Oh, like I am creating this thing to connect to other people. Like, right. You right. know, I, I mean, not, that's not like the sole thing, but you know, that's all that's,
0: I mean, music is social. Like that's the way that it always will be. You totally, know? totally. And I think that's what we are trying, especially now that we're committing to be an instrumental band, uh, trying really hard not to lose because so many of our, our peers, um, that are on a certain level and I'm not, I'm not saying other instrumental bands, but just, I just, yeah. like even just going to Nam this past week, sure. um, you see that all they do is just chill in their room and acquire skill. And like, it's super impressive. And of course on, on a a work ethic level, obviously it's, it's incredibly inspiring, but, uh, we just don't want that. Right. So so that, that's just, I mean, like we always, we can dive pretty far into the technical stuff, but we'll always pull back and like, again, listen to, uh, at the drive-in on the way to the show or something right right, like right, right. yeah you don't want to be a machine or something
1: right right cuz there's a fine line between being technical for technical sake to right. like you're like, Hey, we're, you know, I mean, it's always funny when you're in a band and then you're like, Oh dude, this part's going to bum people out. Cause like, you know, it's not mosh <laughs> yeah. enough or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's funny, but it's not to the extent where you're, you know, you're like, you know, you're sacrificing where it's just like, Oh man, I can't wait to ruin this song by doing this. You know, like, <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. And I we've yeah, we've just, definitely ruined a few songs over the years, <laughs> but I, I know exactly what you mean. Pardon the interruption, but
1: I have to tell you about this incredible company that I believe greatly in. So you, you like to be healthy, right? You'd like to keep your hair right. So how about go to four hymns.com? What is it? You ask it's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness, all for men. They've got medical grade solutions, real doctors and well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions that can help you keep your hair Forhims.com com offers men easier, more affordable access to the prescriptions and products that med- and medical advice that they need. There's no waiting room, there's no awkward doctor visits, and these are not herbal supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. Save hours by going to 4 and answering a few quick questions, then a doctor will review and prescribe to you, and everything will be sent directly to your door. So seriously, order now. Listeners of this show, get a free trial month of everything you need to keep your hair for just $5 right now while supplies last. Go see the website for full details, and this would cost Hundreds and hundreds of dollars if you went to a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash words. $5. That is what you're going to get for a trial month. It's awesome. Now, so many people, especially dudes, they don't go to the doctor. They don't take care of themselves. And it's, it's terrible because you would be helping yourself by avoiding so many of these common things that men experience, especially hair loss. Like, what's easier to do? Replace hair or keep the hair that you have? Trust me, this happens to dudes. It's happening to me. And these are things that can be preventable. So go to 4 slash words. Please, this will help you greatly. This will help improve your health. This will It will make your life easier. Trust me. And you will be able to go through the step-by-step process and be able to get a diagnosis for whatever it is that uh, you are curious about. So 4hymns.com slash words. $5 off. Or not $5 off. $5 for a whole month. Okay. Please do that. And I want the show. And so then kind of, you know, tracing what you're saying, where it was like, you know, once you started to play guitar and then you started to, um, you know, like play shows and exist. Cause that was probably like, you know, early, early high school is when you started yeah. to probably like play local shows and yeah. play the alley and everything like that in Fullerton. Yeah. Um, did you like immediately take to like enjoy playing shows? And like, did, was that a cool part or was, or did you like, cause I mean, because you were practicing so much that that was kind of
0: what you were mostly used to yeah so like how did that shift happen for you uh we always liked playing shows i think um every it's interesting because when we talk about it i think everybody has their different like preferences i love playing shows like that's a very close second but my favorite was always writing over recording over the the um promoting aspect of music or, or anything else like It it was, like, the moment... Maybe it was because that was the thing that got me into it. But the moment that, like, you wrote, like, I'd have a beat and Nick would put the perfect riff over it, Mm -hmm. that's always what I enjoyed most. Um, But performance was just, like... It was a weird learning curve for us, I think, because uh, we, again, we watched these, these crazy bands flailing around. And then we'd write this music that should not be flailed to. And, like, kind of the only band that pulled that off was Dillinger. Dillinger, of course. So, um... It, there was like some real bad shows in the beginning, and I'll Absolutely. never forget this this church show where Nick like went to throw his guitar over his head, mm-hmm. and uh, he totally lost balance and is like falling back, 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 like taking steps, 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 and then takes out my hi hat. And I remember just being like, All right. "All right," so I just started kicking every symbol over and like <laughs> tried to act like that's what was supposed to happen. Totally. But I, I I think that those are also like, you know, your stories are from from. Playing shows and touring—they're not from like that moment that the riff came out of your fingers. Like, right. I mean, at least not. I hear that in like a documentary about a Jimi Hendrix song that was, of course, right, right, right. Like worldwide, like, like iconic. Yes. yes, exactly. But, um, but you know, like the the life part about it and what you should be doing is taking it and showing it and connecting with people. Like, right. uh, even if I enjoy one slightly more, you know. Again, that's all. those good stories come from when you're playing shows and when things go wrong or when things go like surprisingly right. Or you meet people. So, right. uh, I think we figured it out and, and it was cool that we were all on the same level. Right. So we equally sucked until we got a little bit better each show. And yeah. there was, there was, it wasn't like there was one guy that made it difficult to, to do, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Like, yeah, it, but I, I do like, I mean, cause it is really rare to have what it is that you're kind of talking about as far as like the, you know, the core dedication of, you know, two to three people that are, you know, practicing as much as you guys did experimenting as much as you guys did um, you know, being terrible in front of, you know, like, cause that, that's what, I mean, that's obviously what playing in, you know, your early bands is all about Yeah, where it's just like, how, how much can we not suck tonight or whatever. And it's not yeah. from like a playing perspective. Cause clearly you guys were, you know, practicing and you could like put it forward, but it's you know, your chops weren't there from, you know, either songwriting or like whatever right. perspective. Totally.
0: And then, and then that, that figuring out that comfort line of like, you know, Balancing your adrenaline on stage because there's yeah, songs w- we could kill it in the room, and then we get on stage and we watch a video, and then we would turn off the video, and then we would just <laughs> like uh, when we were young we wouldn't talk about it. Now yeah. we'll, now we'll like assess it and figure out how to course, step it up. Right. And, yeah, I mean, again, it, it's it's a lot nicer to have a group of people to learn with than to just kind of hack it yourself and and jump from band to band making right. the mistakes you do. So I, I feel very fortunate in that sense um, that that. They were down to do it that long, you know what I mean, and, and stick it out. And and I do have to say that there were a lot of people in those times that were dedicated with us, of course. Like obviously Doug, when he was in the band, he w- mm-hmm. he was all in. But uh, it's just those were the two guys that didn't yeah. start to finish. So
1: yeah, and it's so hard. Hu- I mean, and it, it's so hard when you're those you know younger volatile years where it's like you know going away to college and like all of these life changes that you're going through as you're putting all this together. To retain, you know, I mean that's the hardest thing about being in a band is not breaking totally,
0: up, totally, totally, <laughs> like not yeah. like
1: losing everybody. Where it's like, oh wow, looks like I'm the only one here. Like, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't know what to do. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. And that 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 core, like you said, that core, uh, the core group of people that you were playing with were all, you know, on the same page. Like that's just, yeah, that's really rare. Um, The you know, was there ever like as you were going through high school and you know still playing in, in, in tons of bands? Like, was there ever? Uh, uh, a vision for you from like, you know, a career perspective, like, or was you just like, yo music, like I got to figure this out somehow.
0: Um, I, I mean, yeah, th- there were like bad guesses at what would happen. Of like, course, right. like yeah, yeah, when I'm 18, if like, I'm not signed, I'm going to do like, I'm going to join this band or I'm going to do, you know what I mean? Like, okay. there was just this, like these, like, because we would see, especially when I think when music became less, like you had to be on the radio to make it. Of course we would see these bands at Warped Tour that were our age. And so right. we'd be like, well, I can play those riffs and I, I can play that drum beat. Totally. So our band should get to that point. And, right. uh, those things didn't happen the way that we thought. Of course, right, right. But I think ultimately like, and not, not to be cheesy or anything, but it was good for us because it made us deal with all the crap early mm-hmm. where we were like, are we actually serious about this? Because we'd have so many, we've, I'm going to make a list this year of the, the, things that have fallen through for me, Nick and Riley, because the, the list would be like 16 pages from the
1: touring to record deals, to, to whatever, singers,
0: to anything. Yeah. And, and, sure. and, uh, it's funny now, but like there were some intense moments where we would be bummed for a day. And then it was just always like, all right, well, what do we have to do next? And so right. that, that hesitation of what to do next just became shorter and shorter and shorter as each, each thing happened. And mm-hmm. then, uh, eventually it got to the point where, it was very slow progression but it was always progressing and that i mean we've just we've done so much now it's like hard to really think i mean i mean together right. it's hard to really think of what else we would do right i mean i'm sure that we were all figuring out our own way to sustain sure outside of the band um, and, and and still fit it in the schedule but yeah i don't know i think we all i remember nick had a like a thing like i forget what it was like 25 if he's not a certain thing by 25, he's going to bail on it. And then obviously 25 comes in, you're like, I still like it, this better than everything else. So,
1: right. Right. Well, cause there is, there is the, the central idea of, you know, building your life around a band and that's like, you know, like whatever getting, you know, it's just like, well, yeah, I'm going to work at, you know, the bagel shop when I'm home or whatever. Like right. I'm going to have these, these jobs that are, you know, whatever transitionary for most people. But like, for me, this is my thing because it need, it gives me the flexibility to tour or whatever. Like, totally. Um Whereas you know some people, it's like they they feel like once they hit that mythical age of like oh once I hit this like I gotta roll up my sleeves and take this seriously or go to college or whatever it is yeah but it sounded like you guys always just kind of had that central premise of like well yeah we're just gonna continue to build this thing
0: yeah and and it's been interesting to see everybody kind of adjust Um, but but it's cool because it's all different like Mm -hmm. Riley um, right I mean Riley just for the record I haven't brought him up enough in this interview so far but like (laughs) Riley was always really good at everything he did. Like when we were 12, uh-huh. Riley was jumping 10 stairs on a skateboard. And oh, like, dude, one of, he, one of those kids, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like if he wanted to do that, if he didn't get into guitar, because again, it was like 7th grade was skateboarding, 8th grade was guitar. If he never got hit with that wave, he would have been fine skating. Right. Um, but Riley decided uh, a few years back that he was going to start a clothing line, and like it's been... It's cool because I'm watching him look at all the mistakes we made as a band and, like, skipping those steps with, with his clothing line, which is sick. It's amazing. Because it's, like, a faster progression. And Nick has gotten super into uh, to recording. And, um, and Riley, because he's doing that, he's, like, he's insane with Photoshop. So it's been amazing because we're all finding ways to take the things that we do outside and actually become an in-house band. And, right. you know, you see a band like Converge where— you have uh, Kurt doing all the the recording and Jacob's doing the the album art. And it's so much cooler to me to think about that it coming is. from the band versus yeah. like when I was young, I would assume that. And then when you find out like this guy made the album cover, you're like, oh, that that wasn't the singer. Right. Like, I don't, you know, when I was I young. Love, I, I love that. You're just like, you're <laughs> like, oh yeah, every band does everything for themselves. I'm like, oh,
1: wait, what? For yeah, real? yeah, like I would have <laughs>
0: swore that like Billy Joe drew the cover of Dookie when I was a kid <laughs> or something, course, you know what totally, I mean? Totally, totally. So I, it's fun that we're uh, finding ways to integrate all of those different things, and it's it's also uh, convenient that we're all interested in different things. So it's not like me and Riley are like Photoshop battling, like right. you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You yeah, you all developed kind of your own paths that uh, independently help the band, and then yeah, that's that's really cool that you know it, it collectively kind of just like happened, and there was no one like obviously pushing or having that exerted influence on it.
0: Totally, and I think it was just like once one guy got a little bit. Better at one thing. Everybody else is like, "Oh yeah, I guess I do have That's time to step this up and and and, and, right. and do their end and uh." So yeah, it, it's been rad. But especially the last the last five years, like, because I I do a lot of illustrating on my own time and um, mm-hmm. but I, I I know nothing about Photoshop. I'm sure. so bad. Everything I do is like
1: Physical. like as if I was in
0: 1995. Sure. And sure. uh, so it's amazing to have Nick and Riley understand so much about computers because I'm just like. Here you go, dudes. Like help me,
1: right? <laughs> help well, me show
0: this to the rest of the world.
1: Well, I think it's funny too because then, like to you know to that point, it's the fact that you know you, uh, you know you yourself have a following of you know people who are you're like yeah they like the music that you play but they're just like yo dude he's a sick drummer like and that's <laughs> I mean you know and that that is. A beast in and of itself as well. It's like, you know, you are in certain ways, you are separate from your bands, even though like, that's not, that's not your intention. You know, you're not being like, Oh, this is like, I'm going to develop my own personal brand. Like you didn't go out
0: no, totally, <laughs> totally
1: extending that. But it's just funny because, you know, because of your, your, your lack of, of knowledge when it comes to, you know, the internet computers whatever, it's like it, the fact that you now have that sort of presence online it's just humorous. It's humorous to me right. because of
0: that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's humorous to me because I'm getting in touch with a lot of people that are, like, really good at it. Sure. And I'm, like, faking my way through conversations. Just totally. Like, yeah,
1: because they're, like, saying all this stuff. They're, like, oh, yeah, you're doing this in engagement. It's just like, oh, did I just posted that video, like, two days ago? I thought it was kind of cool. Like, <laughs> Well,
0: yeah, and and I do learn a lot from them. Of but it's, it's hilarious because there's a lot of – like, I have some friends that do uh, – that I've, like, met through Instagram and stuff that killers – um, but a lot of times I'll deal with just different endorsement companies and stuff like that. And some of them are amazing. Right. And some of them, they just worry so much about all these inhuman details. And right. they don't just focus on the fact that like if you just put up a cool video. Right. Even if I don't, I'm not telling anybody to do this, but even if it's a cell phone video. Right. If the content is interesting enough, the drummer is good enough or. It'll the, engage. The, right. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of people just get. I mean, it's like what we're talking about when musicians get too far into skill where. You know, there's still this very obvious aspect that needs to be good for someone to care. Right. Um, and uh so yeah, it's it is very funny that I'm like still posting GoPro videos. Right, and, right. <laughs> and like whatever.
1: And so how like, you know, kinda of because of that and obviously because of, you know, your involvement, you know, with Night Versus, like, how have you always kinda of dealt with the sort of business side of things in regards to music? Like, has that something that's been you're just like The less of that I do, the better. Or like you've rolled up your sleeves and kind of figured it out. Or what? How do you handle it?
0: Uh, You know, I think that when we were young, we spent so much time in a a practice room that we just assumed like if you get signed, then you're good, right? Like you're on Easy Street, right? Right. Yeah, you get an apartment, and which becomes a house, and like totally people show up to shows. (laughs) And dude, I can't believe like when we were young, we wouldn't even stay. Like we, half the shows we played with you, we weren't even smart enough to stay. We'd be like, "Oh, we're done. Let's go get food." Like we wouldn't keep our merch up. You know what I mean? We just, (laughs) we just didn't know. Totally, you didn't know better, right? And so I think you know you get to a point where it's like you can't make the same mistake over and over and over. Sure. So what happened was we, um, we did this record last or two years ago Mm -hmm. with Ross Robinson, who, for the record, is like my. like my favorite producer of all time growing up. That yeah. was the biggest bucket list, I think, so in, far. Intense dude, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, he did all my favorite records, of and course. I remember just being like, I want to know what that's like. Absolutely. I want to I wanna be in that room, right? Yeah, like even as a kid, I didn't know who producers were, but I knew who he was. Of course. Um, but what happened was we put out that record, and there were uh, so many different uncontrollable factors that led to us kind of hitting a lull where we couldn't tour. Uh, like we had three great tours lined up, that all for one reason or another, like one band, the the lead singer got really really sick, and so they had to cancel it. The other one, they had booked the tour before they asked us on it, but it the the money did not make sense for them to take anyone else out. So it's like all these different things worked out, and I was like, oh crap, we're we're not gonna get to tour on this because you totally. you know like tours usually get planned three months in advance. Absolutely. So if you clear your schedule for three tours and then they all fall through, you get you got nine months free, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, what do we do? And so I. Uh, you know, I, I, my parents are, um, very good at leading by example and not really like making excuses and they just kind of get shit done. And that, that is what it is. And, um, I was like, all right, I have to figure something out. Like Mm -hmm. I've always tried to be conscious of what advantages I have in that moment. So when I was young, for example, um, we were always friends with let live and they got out and they were touring Europe when we were still at home writing. And I, I had those like little moments where I'm like, damn, I want to be in Europe. I want to be doing of this. course, Right. And then I sat there and I'm like, well, you know, everybody that's touring doesn't have time to practice. So I was like, I'm going to practice five hours a day because that's what I can do. And then once I got on the road, I'm like, oh crap, I, I don't have time to practice. So what am I going to do? And so I'd start making videos. Um, I made this like video for GoPro where I would drum in all these different locations, like different countries and States and have them like big monument behind me and tie it all together with a BPM. And I sold that to GoPro and I, and I, we also did a documentary where we'd ask people around the world, uh, when you listen to music, what do you listen for? And so that, that stage was about, um, figuring out how to take advantage of being everywhere else, but home and Mm -hmm. making up for the fact you're not practicing. So sure what happened was I had this situation in front of me where I had nine months off and I'm like, all right, I have to do this again. Like what, what am I going to do? And so I kind of just said, I I'm going to post a video a day just because I know that, I'll have to force myself to come up with something mm-hmm. that I'm willing to put out in public if I do that. So it wasn't like, a, like oh, if I if I hit this market, I'll get to, to this stat or yeah, something. Yeah, it, it was a matter of like you wanted to be productive. Right, exactly. And that felt like some, like a new thing where I could still feel inspired. It wasn't like, cool, let's just practice five more hours. You know, right, like right, I, right. I was conscious of the fact that all of that practice – had helped but it wasn't getting the band bigger and stuff like that so i kind of just tried to go in and 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 test some theories on on what would work and and get my own stuff to a point where i could then say okay i know this works so let's do this with the band right so that basically that nine months was just that like i we would still write night versus but every day i would have to post a video and cycle through ideas because when you're doing that you really test your creativity because you can't just post the same video, like right. idea, six times. So first, it would just be something that's really difficult on drums, and then it would be um, integrating like effects pedals, like a, a like a whammy pedal that Tom Morello from Rage would use on a drum set, mm-hmm. and then it would be like trying to do a three sixty on the throne and come down, and then I would rotate through these ideas, and ultimately made me more creative just because it was like this weird forced experiment, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it helped out because as that stuff grew, obviously I could tie that back to the band. Of course. And um and then yeah, just kind of blend the interests of the people following me with what the band was doing. So it it worked out so uh, like fairly well for what I was trying to do, but it was definitely just out of like desperation of being home and I was like I got to do something.
1: I really it's cool like to hear that because I think it's it's probably very easy for people to look at you just from like an online persona and just like, you know, either make fun of it, throw, throw stones at you and just be like, Oh, whatever. It's just another, another, another dude on the (laughs) internet playing drums crazy, you know? But it's like the, the fact that you, you know, laid this out with just, you know, you were trying to experiment you were trying to push yourself, like, like you said, out of desperation, like those are, those are the times when people actually accomplish something that is like, it doesn't have to be like world changing, but it should be like, oh wow, this changed my life for the better because right. I was backed into this corner and I didn't know what to do. So I was just like, well, I guess I'll just try. I'll try this out. Like it right. can't get any worse. Totally. Like what's this going? What's this going to do? <laughs> like into my drumming career, it's like no. It's, just, it's if no one cares, then no one cares, and that's fine. But like I've developed my skills. It's just very totally. I just like that because it's not yeah you're like there's business principles involved in it but it's not at the core
0: tenet of it you know totally and that's what was i think was weird because again we grew up listening to punk so like there was like 10 years where we were like the internet's lame like yeah, t- yeah i mean like we're not <laughs> we don't care about that stuff yeah like, what is
1: social media it's, it's useless yeah, yeah, yeah it was
0: like go to a show and right, then right. you realize when you tour with a band like we toured with um one okay rock who's massive in japan huge right also the coolest people on earth. I need to say that. But cool. um, <laughs> when they played their second tour here uh-huh. and we were, were right before them and they had like 200 people at the most sure. night. And that was kind of like a big wake up, wake up call in the sense that when we were young, we thought all you do is get on the road and people will start to show up more and more. And we did five years of touring straight. Totally. And uh, then I'm looking at this band that's only been here twice. Right. And the second time they have like whatever... 3,000 plus people knowing every word. And so, you know, you just have to, at a certain point, especially being an adult or at least growing up, realize like things change and mm-hmm. like you, you can figure out how much of that change you want to bring in or if you want to commit. But again, we're, we're pretty stubborn. We wouldn't practice in a room five days a week right. if we weren't. So we did our best to like, like stay, stay punk, but, but like get yeah. into it. You know what I mean? And of course, and find a way to mix the two um, cause we're not stupid. So right. Yeah. That's kind of where it all came from. And, uh, I just, I, I do, I,
1: I like that because I mean, at that time too, you know, whatever the mid two thousands, that's when there you actually saw, you could see, like you were talking about <clears throat> like going to work tour, like there was a, a clear map as far as like, Oh, like bands can quote unquote make a living. And like, you know, that living may mean touring 10 months out of the year right. and then, you know, having their rent paid. But, like, that was, like, oh, my gosh. But, like, you know, in the, whatever, late 90s, early 2000s, you could only point to, like, maybe a handful of bands. You could be, like, all right, there's, like, Poison the Well and, like, Hatebreed. Yeah. And, like, they're, like, other than that, you're just, like, I don't know. Like, how, how is that even possible? Right. But then, like, in the mid-2000s is definitely when that shift started to take place where you could be, like, all right, we can do this and, like, push ourselves to, like, try to get to that spot. But you didn't have to do it in a way that was, like, you're, like, oh, like, you know, so many people talk about like chasing a trend. It's like, totally. You're always going to be chasing something. If you're being like, all right, dude, like under oath is hot right now. We got to sound like under oath, or whatever.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's- I love that you brought up that band by the way, because that was like our high school experience was all our friends chasing under oath.
1: Absolutely. And it, it, there, there's, you know, every two years it cycles through where it's just like that particular band. Yeah you know, the the band doesn't even need to be like the most popular thing ever, but it's just, I mean, Seosin was another band where it's just like, everyone's just like, Oh, so you got to sing really high and be technical. Yeah, totally. It's like, Oh, okay. Then you have, you know, your C rate bands that are just trying to rip
0: that off or whatever. Totally. And I think we are, what's funny that you're saying this is that we always pick the bands that you probably shouldn't be chasing. Like we were like, let's be like the bled.
1: So, we're young like, blood circa like you know two records after uh you know they pass the flask you're like oh like like yeah the bloods like th- we really like that and it's like yeah. well
0: yeah that that band like was hot like a couple years ago and you're like but it's the blood still like yeah yeah exactly it and I, i'm saying that because they were dope i don't care oh, yeah, but, yeah who cares but yeah, we yeah, were yeah. just always like like one day i remember us talking like man none of the bands we like are uh, really successful huh and they were like, yeah, that's kind of true. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, what can we expect here? But, right,
1: uh, right. I would love to tell you about another awesome sponsor of the show, URM Academy. What is it? It is an online recording school created by Joey Sturgis, I'll Levi, and Joel Wozniak, producers who have worked with pretty much every heavy band that you can think of. Machine Head, the Double Wars Prada of Mice and Men, Asking Alexandria. The list can go on and on. So here's how it works. At the beginning of every month, you get the real multi-track session from a top artist and the mixer's notes, so you can drop it into your DAW and learn it by mixing yourself, mixing it by yourself from scratch. Then at the end of the month, you'll watch a live streaming mix session where the mixer will mix the song from the start to the finish and explain how they did it on the album and answer your questions live and on the air. Past guests include Andrew Wade from A Day to Remember, Bo Rochelle from Sayosin, Nolly from Periphery. Daniel Bergstrom and Masuga and Logan Mater and Gojira amongst many other people. So if you want to take your mixing game to the next level, head on over to urmacademy.com and get your learning activated. I've seen this straight up. It's amazing. If I was interested in recording bands and mixing and everything from a technical perspective, I would be all over this academy. It is the real deal. Trust me. Go to urmacademy.com and you will become enlightened. Thank you very much. Now on with the show. Um, and like as you uh you know, at, like you said, you know, when when Night Versus was, you know, out there and touring frequently, did you take to the road right away? Like did you personally like being on the road immediately, or was that something that was tough at the beginning?
0: No, I mean we it was we went through some hard stuff. Of course. But we of course. had such a buildup of thinking we were gonna be on the road when we're eighteen. That's true and not being on the road <laughs> right, to where right. we were just like yeah, you just sleep on floors that have cat piss next to you. Right. Like we just yeah. thought that's what you do. Yeah, as one does. So right, right. when when it happened we we're like, "Yup." And I'll never forget this cuz I so I went to Kelsey Fortchand and I graduated in 2012 and the whole time I was trying to get out of college to tour, right. but the tours just weren't happening for sure. for our band. So I graduated uh What did you get your degree in? Communications with an emphasis in radio, television and film cuz I thought if I was ever going to do anything with it, I would want to um, I didn't want to score, but I wanted to pick songs for soundtracks. Oh, just okay. I thought it'd be an amazing way to promote Music bands supervisor. I love. Sure, sure. And just like, uh, just it, it's. I mean, I liked making burn CDs when I was a kid. I was like, let's make a career out of this. Of course. So um, anyways, I graduate. And my friend at the time, right when we graduated, because we got our first tour, like legit tour with Let Live, uh, legit US tour with Let Live, like two months after I graduated. Okay. And my friend had just gotten a job with... Um, Lionsgate, and she was helping, like, assist the music supervisor. And I remember texting her, like, this is crazy. You have to tell me about your job. And, like, we had gone through the gnarliest night. Like, Riley was doing this six-hour drive through snow, and we're all covered in sweat, obviously, but it's (laughs) freezing, so it's just, like, you're extra, like, sticky. Sure. And then there's, like, 16 different big rigs flipped on the way to this house that's two hours away, but it's the only one we could stay at for free. Of course. And we get there, and I go to bed and the dog that was with let live at the time is like at the end of his leash trying to like bite my face. And I'm just trying to sleep on this floor with cat piss next to me, which is where that reference came from. Sure. And she finally texts me back. and She goes, I can't wait to tell you about all about it. We're living our dreams. I, I'd love to hear about the tour. And I'm like just looking at this dog and yeah. like freezing thing like, yep. Yep. Like this is, this is <laughs> what I've built my life to. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny. Um, yeah. But it was what I wanted, so I was like, "I mean, this is hilarious." It'll be a good story later. But I think we were always just down, like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. We, just the
1: just the experience and like, because I mean, I know some people like, with I mean, you went into it with both eyes open. But sometimes right. some people, uh, you know, like that are more introverted or whatever. Like they hit on the road and they're just like, "Oh, like so I'm never alone." And this is ta- like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to handle this" or whatever. Right. But yeah, like you, you came into it expecting one thing getting it delivered <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. as opposed to like you know some people are just like oh yeah so like, you like you tour in a van for a tour and then you hop right in a bus right and it's like
0: dude i we still get that because we're in a van right now and, of course. and people are always like oh don't worry man i've done so many bus tours i'm like dude i'm older than you right. <laughs> like and i'm usually the young one on the tour <laughs> but we don't care i mean like we obviously we're, we're working to, like we'd love to be in a bus but yeah uh you know, we've also had time at home and we still ended up on the road because we liked it. So, of course, it's like it's if if you can connect the dots, you figure out the person you are and where you want to be. And that's why we're still playing together.
1: Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. That's cause that, that the, the core principle of it is behind it where it's just like, well, yeah, like we like creating with each other so much that why would we ever, why would we, we ever turn this in? You know? Totally. Um, so how do you, I mean, obviously you have a history with, with Jason and let live and you know, you played drums in the fever. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I presume it was one of those things where it's like, you know, Jason just basically looped back around to you. It was just like,
0: dude, I got this thing I want to do. Yeah. He, he's awesome. He is, um, he is. Basically. I had so I had filled in with Let Live. We'd known Let Live oh, since we were f- I didn't know fifteen, that. and okay. then um, they were doing this transition with drummers. They had a couple transitions with drummers, yes, and uh, <laughs> a few times they've been like, "Yo, dude, do you want to do this?" But again, it's like Nick and Riley are just the dudes I play with, so I never thought twice. I was always like, "If they weren't here, I would," but blah. Right. Oh, and and so we did a um, a Deftones tour in Australia, and like no ha- no,
1: no big deal, no big deal, well, right?
0: So <laughs> I had this moment where like. <laughs> Cause that tour was uh, in 2013. That was like massive, a big deal for me to, mm-hmm. to go. Cause I was one of my fair bands and I was on tour and there's actually people there that right. know the songs and I in remember a different country like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there was this perfect night. Like we were, it was like second night sold out um, at this place that was called the palace in Sydney. It's not there anymore. And it was this crazy theater where there's like four tiers. Like you could see every person in the room. There was no like distant, like darkening of the crowd. Right. Everyone was there. And, the show went perfect. Deftones switched up their set to probably the best set I've ever seen. And I've seen that band like 12 times. Sure. And then like whoever the label was that was working with them at the time was like, you have to join the band, all this stuff. And I remember looking at this just on this like right. next level high <laughs> being like, it's just one night. <laughs> like like yeah. enjoy it. Hold Yeah, soak this in. Right. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm like lucky that I was like conscious enough to say that because I didn't. You know, I feel like a lot of people in that position would have been like later to their friends, but it was—I was just very happy that I got the opportunity to do both. Um, Right. But then, as years went by, Jason had brought up other things to do, and I was always just like, "I'm still doing this." And then finally, uh, went—we had talked a lot. Like I'm—I'm saying, like we'd have conversations all the time about doing projects together, but we were both so busy. This one lined up, and there were a lot of circumstances that had just been like very serendipitous, and I was like, all right, let's sure. do it. Right. Like, they, I can make this balance. If I can do this like whole separate solo drumming career thing where I'm playing drum fest in Korea and Germany and do night versus and build whatever online stuff I have to, I can fit this. Like I've, I'm figuring out how to manage things at this age. So, right. yeah, he hit me up, and um, it's just been crazy. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, it sucks because I, there are more details I want to give in certain things that I, we just can't yet. Of course. But he... I feel like for all of the chemistry that I have in writing with Nick and Riley and and just composing music, when it comes to like playing a live show, even though we haven't played together as long, it's like the same thing. Like, yeah. And you either, feel like
1: you're stepping into it.
0: Yeah. And there's no I mean, we understand each other. There's no guy being like, hey, dude, don't jump out of your seat on drums because like this isn't the right time. It's just like, dude, right. do whatever. Like, yeah, we played the Roxy show. And I, I remember like doing a 360 on my seat and I come down and like everybody's looking the other direction because Jason's yeah, yeah. jumping rafters, from one balcony to the other. End. And Steven, uh, who's formerly of the chariot yep. is like in the middle of the pit, swinging his guitar in a circle. And I'm like, yep, that's what this band is. So <laughs> yeah. it, Everyone doing their own insane things. Yeah. yeah but yeah. It, it's sick because just like night versus on that tip, everybody's pushing themselves and you see that guy do this and you're like, all right, what am I going to do here? And, uh, I kind of just want those situations as much as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's really cool that, especially too, because it's like when you look at something that is uh, deliberate and calculated, sometimes it comes across as, you know, just like either too business savvy or just like it comes across as just like, oh, like, Oh, so like this is your new thing.
0: Especially now. Like, yeah, with of course. The, with the internet, like, of course. Teaching you the tools to get people engaged. It's just like sometimes it's painful to see mm-hmm. people be so shameless with, like, I'm here to do this for you. Right. So I, I get what you're saying completely. Totally.
1: and so, But the, the fact that it's like, you know, all, all of you are, you know, older, smarter, wiser, and, and you know how to, well, the, you don't know how to do that appropriately, but like the, you know, the way that the band has been exposed is very much just like, oh yeah, like this, this, this makes sense. There's no piece that doesn't fit where it's just like, oh, that's kind of a weird vibe. Oh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> totally. You know, like, with, like that, because I, I think even though people are, immune to a lot of that I think a lot of people still obviously have bullshit detectors yeah and are just like oh that's, that's stupid like yeah. uh, I don't know about that <laughs> you yeah, know and, totally. and and generally speaking from what I've seen about how people interact with with what it is that you guys are doing is very much just like oh like I, I get that like I yeah I, I see where I see the point of it existing and it's not just from like oh we're gonna play in another band that you know all of us together are, are more notable you know
0: yeah I mean and that that's the thing is just all of I mean you can't look at the lineage of Let Live's career or the Chariot's career and call them posers. No, you know I mean? no, like, no, no, no. Being on the inside of that for years, I can say that like I've never seen a band tour as much as Let Live as far as the people I grew up with. Yeah. Like, they would do two shows a day regularly. Totally. People would just be like, hey, the show's over, but we have a house down the street and we yeah. just make it oh, happen. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and plus, and,
1: playing for, so like, I, I, I'll i never forget, like, once, you know, Let Live, whatever, Let, Live, Let Live put out their record on Tragic Hero and then, you know, went over to Epitaph. It was one of those things by that time. Let Live had already existed for like seven, eight years. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. oh, I'm like, wait. And then it just, it's, uh, it's weird. I'm sure for people like you and I, who obviously have a long history with that band and knowing yeah. where they come from. And then it's just like, wait now in 2012, like almost, you know, whatever, some like close to 10
0: years later. Now people are being like, Oh, you let live sick. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just dude. crazy to see that. I mean, and then even further from that, which this is like one of my favorite things is like, like seeing, uh, I mean, it's weird to say now because I've known him for so long and it it doesn't feel like this. But seeing Mm -hmm. Jason when I was 15 and he was 19, I was like, who is this This guy's crazy, you know? Totally. And then then obviously we we started hanging over the years and stuff. But now because of what we're doing and I'm seeing, um, you know, like someone from a a label or someone older see Jason for the first time, I'm like, dude, this is like watching 15 year old me see this guy for the first Absolutely. time. you like, and you've never experienced anything like it's, this it's before. It's so <laughs> fun for me. Even like having, like, uh, I had my parents cruise out to the, to the Roxy show and like, of course, it's so fun for me to see them, see him for the first time. And especially now, cause I think if they would have seen him when I was 15, they're like, is this kid on drugs? So Absolutely, like, Totally. <laughs>
1: totally. They're <laughs> like, we are not letting our son hang out with him <laughs> at all. <Yeah. laughs>
0: but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and that's the cool thing too, is neither him or Steven like ever changed. Like I was, I had, I remember, uh, I had a symbol that mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, just so you know, this is going like to hit the ceiling at some point tonight." Right? Stephen's like, "Cool, whatever. If it hits me, I don't care." Like yeah, it was yeah. like very like I'm like, "Oh, really?" Like I was yeah. not to be lame. Now I say it, I'm the lame one here. I was saying it like, "Just know this shit's gonna happen." Totally. And they were like, "All right." Like, right. almost like why did you tell us yeah, this? yeah okay
1: cool yeah, yeah. Know, man How we're, we're gonna try to hurt you tonight so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to handle was the notion of like what you're talking about in the fact that you know you are known in the drum community and you know you do drum clinics and all that sort of like you're saying you know getting flown to you know Germany or whatever um, th- like are are those experiences like kind of completely separate in your head because i'm sure like from my limited experience like i've never been asked to go anywhere to scream into a microphone but like
0: from I'm so from, right from, you said that
1: yeah, from my limited experience like those i'm sure th- that has a lot of capability or a lot of uh, potential to be like really weird and awkward um like but have you found though i mean you you've done them for a long enough time to kind of maybe understand a little bit better or like how how does it sit
0: yeah okay so first of all I had a quick misunderstanding when you said screaming in the microphone because I just did a drum solo in Germany where I screamed in a microphone. Oh, they, so I thought you were like... Yeah, yeah no, sorry. But, I was referencing me. I've yeah, never Your been whole life reference. is doing this. I'm just catching up. I appreciate that. No. <laughs> totally. So, um, I started doing the drum off, the Guitar Center drum off, it's like this nationwide contest uh, right. that it actually just ended this year, but they did it for 30 years and 4,500 people enter. It gets down to top five. And I just did it because I was in college and I was like, I need to get out i need to get better whatever and so i I just signed up for the local store and it just was this annual thing where i do it like uh i work on it for a month and then i would get as far as i could and so i did it for five years the fifth year i got to the finals of every year i'd get like a little bit further but like these dudes are good like people like you weed through the local drummers to the like the good dudes real fast right and i up to that point like I had never heard of gospel drumming, so you show up and you just like I've never heard anything like this. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Where?
1: What is the? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So
0: I um I had had been like a little bit introduced to that world, and then when I got to the finals, um, that was like the first thing where it doesn't matter if how good you are. Like people will see that video because there's just a big community around that. Sure. So um, I did the 2012 Drum Off, and uh, like I knew everybody's level was everybody was on such a high level i had to do something that would stand out or that they couldn't do because that i'm not going to pretend to play gospel or pretend to play latin and just look like a c-ray version totally and so in that like i just integrated all of my interests from my whole life i started in a headstand and i did gymnastics for nine years and i did a three or no i didn't do a three i uh did a 360 shove it on my seat because i grew up watching skateboarding, watching skateboarding and yeah. yeah. I was really into like dramatic tension and release because of hardcore. So my solo would be like literally a breakdown with me jumping out of my seat into like a really quick Latin groove. And it was just this weird conglomerate of my whole life in these five minutes. Yeah. And um, for whatever reason, it went viral. So it did like, I think it's like collectively with the two uploads, it's like 13 million views right now. Yeah. And from that, I started getting a lot of opportunities of course. to do, do similar stuff. And uh, so it just ended up, being something I I, I I like challenges even mm-hmm. if even if I feel really uncomfortable if I know that the only thing separating me from pulling it off is is uh, work then sure. I'll, I'll say yes like your own capabilities yeah right? totally sure, sure um and so then I got contacted to do the South Korea one and then I just did a forty minute drum solo in Germany which was like probably the hardest thing I've ever done right but um to answer your question it's more so. I've just been trying to find ways to make it feel more and more like a hardcore show, basically. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like because I, I remember, like mm-hmm. I, I, the the drummer for Taken, he took me to a Terry Bozio performance. Okay. Like we said, when, you know, when they, when the con the conserve or not the observatory was called the galaxy the galaxy. Yeah, so like, yeah. yeah, we were in high school and he took me to it. And of course it was unbelievable. It was just like, here's this guy with like a 975 piece drum set, yeah. like 475 <laughs> symbols, symbols behind him. But it was, it was, you know, it was obviously like seated environment. I just look at that and I'm like, this dude shreds, but like, I didn't even feel one second of it. You know, it's like, you didn't Right. Feel, it was, it was just mechanical and wrote. Totally. And so, I like that notion of what you're trying to talk about where it's just like, yes, like I I am showing off my skills and
0: showing off like what I can do, but like to have that connectivity there too. Totally. And that's actually what was, um, fun and scary about the, the 40 minutes solo is sure. Just being like, all right, how do I make this entertaining? And I'm also like new to this. So (laughs) when they told me 40 minutes, I was like, okay, like I'll put together 40 minutes. Everybody else was putting like, just literally playing their band songs. And then like oh. broken up and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like I literally got 40 minutes planned. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I realized it about halfway through and I was like, whatever, I'll just, I might as well do it. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. I prepared for it. And then again, it was the same thing where that, that level was not, it wasn't the top level of amateurs. This was the top level of like drummers. So Chris mm-hmm. Coleman went to go play with Beck the next day. And, and Benny Greb is one of the top clinicians in the world mm-hmm. and everybody. And, and Alex Rudinger has played on metal albums since he was like 16. So, it's like I couldn't do, I, I just can't do gospel. I, if yeah. I went just straight metal, there'd be two guys that were better than me at it. So, again, it was this really uh, weird, like, journey, I guess, to try and figure out how I could just make my own thing there. Right. And um, part of that was, I, I again, looking at my advantages, and I was like, cool, I have this time at home. These people are busy. So I'm going to put together something that would take this much time to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, and I, I grew up also listening to a lot of... Um, trip hop like dj shadow and Portishead, massive attack True. so i kind of committed to doing all these different samples while i was playing and then try and put those aspects in and <laughs> like like a yeah, hardcore every, show everything with the kitchen sink yes yes and then uh <laughs> and then there was a moment and this is these are the things that i enjoy is you're playing to this german audience that expects you to be like very cordial and of course and, uh, buttoned up sure and discuss your technique and I mean, and not that—that's a German thing. Just at any drum fest, any, totally, totally. And so I'm like, I had that weird Beastie Boys effect from Intergalactic Planetary, or yep. is that what the song's called? Sorry. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm like screaming into the mic, playing, and and uh, I played that Dark Riverboat song from Willy Wonka, and like okay. when that's blasted and the right music is behind it, it gets really demonic. Sure. And so there was there was just a lot of stuff that I went in being like cool i this is for me right. but, this is, but, yeah
1: this could this could legitimately bump some people out but yeah. we'll
0: see how they go yeah and because it's 40 minutes nobody uh nobody had a pause to clap so i'm going 40 minutes being like hey, i don't really know what's going yeah. on here what's but, the vibe but let's just just keep going and uh yeah and so ultimately like i think that's what i've been trying to do is is merge those worlds because as much as i am grateful that i'm being asked to do these like i'm not going to Pretend like I grew up there, or like I'm that 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 right
1: that that is in your environment. I think it's a very important point because it's like, yes, of course you need to like exude confidence and be like, okay, like you know, I've been asked to be here, so like, of course, like I'm excited to do it. But then to like act like this is the comfortable mode in which you operate in, it's like, oh yeah, know how to do this, right? (laughs) Right. This is like my you know tenth time doing something like this. This is kind of weird. Like, yeah,
0: exactly. And I think now more than ever especially based off what we've been kind of hinting at throughout this whole conversation uh people have like an all-time high bullshit meter because you know you you started with seeing like american idol Mm -hmm. you know 15 years ago and you thought and then you start seeing that some of these people are like not actually this crazy and like you know i mean like reality tv is like you realize some of it's fake and then you're looking at everybody questioning everything and i think what is like one of the most important commodities right now in art is seeing somebody that is actually genuine mm-hmm. and it's people are so good at faking it. Totally. So I think like any opportunity, whether it's night versus or the fever or a solo show where you can say like, these are all the things that I've cared about my whole life. I didn't learn this cause I saw a guy backflip from one drums to the other. I just, this is what I did. And like mm-hmm. the, like our influences from night versus are from the 90s, but we know those bands. It's not like we didn't find out about them last week. Right. And so I'm just really happy that I get to be involved in projects where I know everybody in those is not faking it. Yeah. And wherever that takes us is cool, but I know those are the only type of artists at this point in my life that I still am, uh, am like... Blown away by the same way I was when I was a kid, and I believed everything.
1: Totally, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, right, yeah. You what you you want to surround yourself with people who are yeah, ultimately just genuine in what it is that they are, and it doesn't matter on what scale, on yeah, what level. You're totally. like, hey, well, yeah, like this, you know, this may be successful, this may not be successful, but aligning myself with these people is kind of the 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 core component of why I'm doing it.
0: Totally, and then the knowledge is just more interesting. Like, sure. it's way cooler for me to hear because Riley grew up; his brother was like. This punk band is cool. This one isn't, and that was just his. That was it. Right. His whole and like I get to learn about like an era of punk I did not know about. Sure, from him, that's not really important to a lot of people, but like it, it gives me more insight into who he is and where his base is coming from. And I prefer that knowledge over like, you know, uh, a trending article that I I may be able to talk to more people about. Right, but it's just kind of less interesting because everybody is only interested for that minute, you know, exactly, yeah, or it's yeah. talking to somebody about their like emotional connection to these things and how it affected how they grew up and all that other stuff like that. I mean, that, that goes deeper for everybody. It's just, yeah. I guess, um, I mean, you, I'm sure you are too. When you, when you're invested with people that are so into their craft that they're willing to sleep in a van for of course. 10, 20 years, there's, there's no like trending factor. They're just like, this no, is why I am. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's, <clears throat> this is, I would be doing this regardless of what, you know, real life value. This is providing. It's just like, I'm just doing this because, because this is something that's fun and enjoyable. And like, it's ticking all these boxes for you. Exactly. As opposed to, yeah, something where it's just like, Oh yeah, I guess I'll do this because yeah, like you said, it's, it's hot of the moment or whatever, but dude, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for
0: hanging out. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you for having me.
1: All right. Thank you, Eric, for coming on the show, coming over to the house, hanging out. It was funny because he pulled up to my house with a skateboard and I was like, oh man, this is going to be a great interview. (laughs) So uh, thank you very much, Eric, like I said, and thank you very much, Alec, for helping set this up. I love that you were engaged with the show. I love that you were listening to the very end because you get rewarded by hearing who is going to be on the show next week. And next week is a super fun one. Carlos Ramirez from NoEcho.net, who you've heard me mention many, many times before. If you're not visiting that website, you are... Missing out completely. No Echo is a great, great website that does a lot of coverage in punk and hardcore and metal and a bunch of fun stuff. So anyways, Carlos and I dissected and got real deep into power violence. We got just we basically buried treasure episode. That's what it is, where we talked about three bands apiece, talked about why they were important and uh, yeah, just nerd out. And it was great. So that's what we have on tap for next week. And until then, like I encourage you to Always be safe. All right? I say be safe, everybody. That's that's better, right? Be safe, everybody.
0: You've been listening
1: to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.